Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey everybody, it's Dan uh, from Vertex School, and today I got Jonathan Mack with me. And John, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm I'm John Mack. I'm uh, currently an animator with Facebook, which was recently acquired, um, or has recently acquired uh, Sanzaru Games, which is you know who I used to work for before we got acquired, uh, working in their VR AR division. Very cool. Um, how, how do you how do you think that animating in VR? Oh, by the way, uh, John and I actually worked together at Firaxis Games several years ago, um, so I know a little bit about some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, but how how do you think working in uh, VR is different than working on a standard animated game, or is there any difference? I as far as like 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 how you get your work, like what you're asked to do, um, it really doesn't seem any different for me. Um, I, I worked already on a game when I was, when we were still Sanzaru, I worked on a game called Asgard's Wrath. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd worked on another, a couple other VR games also uh, like since then, but um, it, really, it really wasn't any different. The only thing I would say that was different at all is really the, the the push to really like kind of go the extra mile with animation quality is is raised really high only because when you're playing a game in VR everything is so like in your face right. that when you have when you have any little thing that ordinarily you would look at it and be like oh no one's going to see that don't worry about it you have to in VR cuz someone's going to like you can't not see it someone's going to notice it right cuz you can and, move your camera to like anywhere yeah, like you, I mean, you never know what's going to happen is really what it is. So like, you know, your your face might be like in a character's like pinky toe. Right. And if, if it looks bad, they're going to see it. So right. you got to you got to look at everything. And it, it you know, it takes a bit longer to do stuff because right. of that. But as far as like rigs and that sort of stuff, there's not much of a difference there. No, other than that. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same. Very cool. Um. So going back to uh, your, your, your start, how, how would you say, well, I guess not how would you say, but when, how did you end up getting into games? Is it something that you like grew up knew, knowing that you're going to do it? Like the second you grabbed your NES controller, you're like, I'm going to make games. Or like, how, how did you go about getting into making video games? Man, I'm gonna really date myself. Yeah, it, it, what you said, except instead of Nintendo, it was it was the Atari, the 2600. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like I was, it's, I don't know if I, you know, I was really young at the time, and I don't know if back then I knew I wanted to do video games. But that was the start of my love for video games. And I guess I would say, like, once I got the NES um, around that time, I was probably like 10 years old or so. Like, that's when I knew, like, I really wanted to do, um, you know, work in video games. Although that was still at a time when it was, video games were so new. I was a little kid that mm-hmm. it seemed 
it seemed magical and so far off to me that I couldn't even fathom that they were like made or how they were made. I it couldn't right. even wrap my head around it. it. It's funny. I've asked this question now a few times in my last couple of podcasts about how people started and when did they know they were going to start making games. And I think it must be our age group because we grew up as the first generation that were like, Hey, games is a thing that, is going to be career building, you know, like, of course, people were making games well before we came around, but it's the first time, like, there was schools for it. It's the first time, like, it was considered as, like, a, as a career. Like, I don't think it was, I mean, in our, in our parents' generation, there weren't people saying, like, oh, I'm going to make games and design schools around making games and that sort of stuff. Um, so, I think it, it could just be our generation because every person I've talked to, uh, and they've all been right around our, our age, Every single one of them has been like, I didn't grow up like really thinking, oh, you can make games. I, I didn't, don't think I ever really thought about it as a job or otherwise. And thinking back, like that is how I started my life because I didn't go directly into games. I got into computer engineering because mm -hmm. I liked computers, because I liked games. So that's my route to get here was very odd. But it's just because if I knew from the get-go, hey, I can make games, I probably would have skipped all that engineering stuff to begin with. Um, yeah, but back back then you didn't know that. Like when I when I very first decided, like when you're in high school and you have to decide, like, you know, what I'm gonna what am I gonna do after high school for like yeah. work or college? Um, like one kind of funny story is I like like kind of like what you were saying. Like I asked around. Like I think I asked my guidance counselors, maybe some teachers. Um, like I, this is what I'd love to do. I don't know anything about this stuff. Like, where are they made? How are they made? I don't know, but I love it. I would mm -hmm. love to be involved with video games somehow as my work, yeah. maybe not necessarily playing them something and nobody knew. And yeah. they kind of discouraged me just cause I went to like a really kind of hoity toity high school at that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so anyway, I was really frustrated. I told my mom, I didn't know what to do. And she's like, well, why don't you write letters to your favorite companies, which I did. Yeah. And I got all this, all these, it was, this was back in like before really the internet, what it was. So I snail mailed everything. I got yeah. back all these letters and swag. And they basically said at the, t at this time, this is around like the early to mid nineties. They said, um, you know, here's how we make games, but if what you really need to do, like your best shot is to do programming, which okay. is what I, which is what I did. I, mm -hmm. I kind of like up my game in school. I took programming classes. And I did terrible in them, but I I was kind of way far behind everyone else at that point. Mm -hmm. And I think I got like C's or something like that. But I worked really, really hard. And my teacher noticed. And right before I graduated, he was asking me what I was going to do. He was going to recommend me for like these schools and stuff. He's like, what do you want to do mm -hmm. with programming? And I honestly didn't know what else you could do with programming other than make video games. Right. And so when I told him that, I broke his heart. He thought video <laughs> games was the worst thing you could do. Right. And so that really discouraged me. Um, yeah. But I kept going. And uh, I don't know, after high school, like, that's another story. Yeah. So um, how so, so considering you went to programming and into programming and all of that, how did you end up making the leap from being a programmer to being uh, an artist. So uh, what happened was after high school, I did programming and um, it was like, it was in college 
and at this technical school and um i i struggled so hard and, and plus like it's after high school and college and like that time in your life and i was in my like what was it like late teens early 20s i wanted to party and girls and stuff and i was as bad at school I, either way i was bad at school yeah and so i just didn't put the focus into it but i knew i had to keep going to school so i switched to some something i didn't really care about it was like graphic design or something like that in school something mm -hmm. i looked at i'm like what's easy that i could do right and, and graduate I, I knew nothing about i'm not saying graphic design is easy i was you know i was wrong at the time i just thought it was right and so i did it and what wound up happening was and this is just through just through happenstance i mean i did terrible at graphic design i just kind of winged it the whole time Mm -hmm. What wound up happening was um, I was up really late one night and there was this commercial on TV. Like this is kind of like what you were saying also before is like at, at this time, there was nowhere you could go to for school that had anything to do with video games. The right. closest thing that I remember was the school called DigiPen. And mm -hmm. uh, it was in like Vancouver or Seattle or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it was bonkers insane like hard to get into that school i was like forget it right because i'm dumb so just through happenstance i'm up late and there's this commercial for this school that taught you how to do like 3d like and this is you know again like at the time like mid 90s right. 3d uh graphics and like the vision and they're showing all these clips of like all these movies at the time like jurassic park yeah. armageddon all the, with these visual effects, like we'll teach you how to do this. I was like, awesome. So I signed up to go to that school and I, um, you know, I went to that school and like, it really wasn't a good school, honestly. Mm -hmm. it, it was right in my town, but it really wasn't a good school. But mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time I'm learning how to use like power animator, which turned into Maya. Mm -hmm. And basically they were inventing the curriculum as they went along, which in the end turned into focusing on doing like a 3d animation reel that you would use to to pitch it to get a job so we had to learn like how to do like modeling and tech all the whole thing to make all the assets and stuff like that to do an animation but it yeah. wasn't it had nothing to do with like vfx for movies or anything which was fine yeah. at the time but i kind of just fell into it i'm like oh this this could be a fun job you know this is better than digging ditches or whatever like right. what, what i was what i was doing at the time so yeah that's kind of how that happened interesting so um that it, it's funny you mentioned like oh it wasn't a good school we had to go and i had to do the modeling and the rigging and and all of these other things that is uh, kind of exactly what i'm trying to avoid here at vertex school is i'm trying to to switch it up so one of the reasons why uh one of the reasons why I, I was really excited about the school and the, the the vision that the school had was because I had gone to GDC, uh, the game developer conference a few years ago. And while I was there, I saw a lot of college students out there, a lot of just graduated students from other schools and uh, everybody's showing the reels. And I'm standing in line to like talk to somebody and watch a game or play a game uh, or go to uh, a talk. And there's, guys in there and they're showing each other their iPads like, oh yeah, here was my work and here's what I did and this is what I did. So I'm there and I'm looking at them. Like I'm not mentioning, oh, hey, I'm actually in the industry, blah, 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 but I'm grabbing them and I'm looking at them. And when I'm looking at them, I'm just like, wow, like 
what are they looking for? Is there, there's a little bit of design in here, there's a little bit of modeling in here, there's a little bit of programming in here, there's a little bit of animation in here, and they're like, oh yeah, I'm trying to become an animator. Like, and I'm looking at it like, there's almost no animation on this on this pad. I don't know if they know what animation is, if that's what they're trying to to get a job in. And what it made me realize was, is I needed to look into it a little bit more. Um, so I actually contacted some local schools here. Uh, I contacted some schools in surrounding states and I asked to look at their curriculum and ask about like, hey, if I want to become an animator, what would you do for your students? Because uh, it says you have um, animation classes and whatnot. So they they showed it to me and they showed me like what their students come out with. And essentially what it came, boiled down to was I don't think that we are at the point yet where a lot of your traditional schools that are going to cost kids hundreds of thousands of dollars are at the point where when they're done, they can actually get a job. There's a few online schools that do a really great job in teaching animation. Um, but I wanted to even be more different than those guys. So what's really cool about us is we actually do a lot of face-to-face -face, um, live classes. So for one class, uh, you're going to have six hours of your instructor's time a week, which is more than like even colleges do. And the only thing we're going through is animation, the art of animation, creating assets um, and getting all the principles down and stuff along those lines so that we don't have those types of schools where when they come out and they're like, I'm going to get a job with the sweet demo reel that I made and come to realize, especially today, um, that the stuff that they're making looks very 90s, early 2000s. And it's like, hey, man, we're we're in 2020 now and the, the game is being upped every year like even for my own stuff it's like okay i need to step it up this year unreal 5's coming out i'm gonna need to like start animating facial hair one strand at a time or something <laughs> like I, i'm gonna have to step it up um and uh i just i feel for them because i mean those guys they might have put in a lot of hard work for four years at a college and they're still coming out with something that's like all right cool what well, now you have to go to another school after that school so that you can get your job and that is what is driving me right now because I've I've seen it too much and even the school that I went to which was an amazing animation school they pump people out you know they're like they're just launching people into the industry and while they're they might be good um, th the process that going through that school was one that I know several people that went there and they never ended up getting jobs and um, we're trying to eliminate that as much as we can. What we really want to do here at Vertex is get kids jobs. Like they want to work in the industry. That's what, that is our focus. It's not even learning animation. It's how do you know enough animation to get a job? Not necessarily like, uh, it's really hard to explain. Um, I don't know. It's just our main focus because I feel really bad for people that go and spend all this money on different schools and then they, you're like, ah, guess you didn't get a job. Cool, go back to Starbucks. Right. Uh, I, I really, I, my heart bleeds for, uh, for the people that put in all the work and then find out that they have to go get another degree from somewhere else, and then later find out like, oh, that's all I had to do. You know, like you don't have to go to yeah. any school really. Is if you can pump out great stuff at home watching YouTube videos, then awesome. But, um, having a mentor guide you through it is certainly more helpful. I, and. The school that I went to was only like one hour a week of uh, 
mentor time and I shared that front with my entire class. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping that having a lot of face-to-face -face time with, with your instructors at our school will, will be uh, helpful. And I mean, it's proving in the, all the other uh, divisions of our school where, I mean, we've got students coming out and getting jobs at some really great studios. So I'm hoping that we can continue that trend with uh, the animation department for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, with stuff like that, too, is like when you, like you're saying, like, you know, if you can go to YouTube and teach yourself how to do it, that's great. Mm -hmm. In my experience, whenever I've gone to, like, a college or something like that to, like, do a panel or something like that or a workshop, mm -hmm. I would say out of every, like, I don't even know what, like, I don't know, like, two, three hundred students, there's that one person that can pull that off. Yeah. Like when you, when you look at them, they just got that skill, that talent for it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the rest, they need more, they need more to help teach them, yeah. uh, you know, how to, how to do things well. Yeah. When, uh, I knew I was actually one of those students when I went to my school, I had never touched Maya before. Um, and that's what they were teaching in. I had not done, and I, the only animation I had done was more visual effects stuff more like uh like type in some numbers and watch it happen kind of stuff not necessarily mm -hmm. like the art of animation that we do now character stuff um and i was i felt like i was behind everybody else from the first assignment you know like everybody else mm -hmm. was like doing some stuff and they put ears on theirs and like i'm like <laughs> i just had to like move this bouncing ball and this dude's got like water splashing in his scene and all this stuff and i'm like so I, I went extra hard. Like every time we had an assignment, I, I tried to do the assignment twice in two different ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I, I tried to make up for it. But at the, in the end, as soon as I got done school, I had offers within my first week or two. So mm -hmm. uh, it pays off to certainly to work your butt off if you are feeling like you're not getting it. But sometimes the school needs to help you as well as far as giving you what you need to be able to do that stuff. Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, trying to get into the industry and finding your your way in, and I know luck plays a big part of it, but obviously when it comes to animators, the demo reel is, it's your resume, it is your personality, it is your everything. Like a lot of the times that's the only thing people in the studio will see. Like uh, mm -hmm. when I was a part of uh, some hiring groups before, I wasn't given a resume. Sometimes it wasn't given their name. And if it wasn't on the disc that they handed me or on the file that they sent me, I might not even know who the person is. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, watch this. Let us know what you think. So I don't know what their work history was. I don't know. I didn't know a lot of that stuff initially. Like once I found a couple of demo reels that I liked, then they send all the rest of the info. But so the all important demo reel, that is essentially that is what gets us jobs. Even after we've been in the in the industry for 15 years, you still mm -hmm. have to have a demo reel put together every year, a new updated reel. Um, what are some of the biggest pitfalls that you've seen in demo reels where you're like, oh, right away, you know that someone's not gonna get a job. Not necessarily the skill of their work, but like with something mm -hmm. where you're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be tough. Um, or, or you just like hit that stop button and just move on to the next. <laughs> um, whenever I review a demo reel, I don't, because I didn't have any schooling or anything like that, I don't really, I feel like I'm pretty unbiased when it comes to um, like looking for someone that's gonna be a good fit for a studio. One thing I, one thing I don't do is I don't 
look at someone's reel, like a lot of students will look at someone's reel because they have a project coming up or something or a project they're going to work on if we hire them. Mm-hmm. And um, this is just hypothetical, like it'll, this project has robots. They'll look at someone's reel and they're like, well, they don't have any robots on their reel, so we're not gonna hire them. I'm like, that's not mm-hmm. right. They're, you know, this is good. Yeah. This is not so good. I mean, I can't, I, I, I can't say, I can't think of any time when like I looked at a reel when it was playing and, and like right away I saw something and I'm like, no, I don't need to see the rest. I know that this is bad. Like I always give them the benefit of the doubt, but I mean, we all have, I've seen some pretty bad reels and there have yeah. been times when I could see a guy's reel and I'm like, man, like no way, like maybe it gets better. Let's hope. But, yeah. um, you know, it, to me, it's always been like an issue of quality. I mean, there's never really been any other factor in right. someone else's reel that would tell me like, no, like because of this thing that's not animation related, like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Th- there's very few things for me where I've looked at them and gone, Ooh, this, this is a bad choice. And then from that has made me just pass, but there are very few. Um, like one was someone had animated a, a famous movie scene that so many people animate from and they choose these different, uh, dialogues just because it's a famous movie, which I feel as though if you're going to animate a dialogue, you should try and find something super obscure or something uh, that you create yourself. But this particular scene, it was almost every other word was a curse word. And some of it was really vulgar to the point of like, I felt uncomfortable watching it. And it made me think like, okay, this guy uh, doesn't know enough to not put that kind of stuff in his demo reel yet. You know, yeah. like you have to make sure that when you're giving out a demo reel, it's going to cater to anybody that could look at it at that studio. You know, yeah. um, is it a man that's going to watch it? A woman? Uh, otherwise, is it, are they, uh, what is the race? All that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you don't want to be offending anyone when you're handing this disc to someone. You know, that just so, comes from inexperience, it sounds like. Yeah, and they probably just loved the scene and they felt passionate about the scene. Uh, like the words in it, other than the cursing, it had some it had some cool context and that kind of thing. But it showed me like, okay, they're not thinking about the job itself or they're not thinking about mm. the audience. Um, and I, I think that's, I mean, that's everything that we do is for the audience, right? Like uh, we know that gameplay is king, but after that, it's the art of everything. And we need to make sure that we're paying attention to our audience. Like that's who's giving us all the money to and spending all their time with us. So to me, like that was one thing where it's like, this guy's not thinking about the other side of this disc. All he's thinking yeah. about the content on it. So um, that, that was one thing that did end up stopping me immediately at one point. I was like, yeah, no, they, even if they're skilled, <laughs> this is, this is probably not going to be a good fit. Yeah. Uh, how about um, we we know that a demo reel is putting your best foot forward, so don't put anything in there that's not your best foot forward. Have you mm-hmm. um, have you ever made the mistake yourself of putting something in and sending it out, where later on you ended up learning like, oh wow, like 90% of this was really great, and then that 10%, I was just trying to make it, make it to a minute 30, so I put in like 10 seconds of like, you know, not anything too great, but I snuck it in in locations. Is that 
have you like looked back at old reels and going like oh wow this part's great and then you're like oh man they're like why did i ever put that in there that like ruined the rest of my demo <laughs> reel because yeah I, yeah oh, i certainly did that myself yeah for sure i mean one thing is if you're just starting out like you're going to school or right after school and you have like little to no experience mm -hmm. that's i always find like when somebody tells someone like if you're in school and you got work only from school that you've done or maybe you have that and a little bit extra but you have next to nothing basically to show and someone says put your best foot forward i think that's a horrible thing to say to someone at that stage because their best foot forward is everything they got they might have a minute minutes worth of work to show mm -hmm. so you know you can still tell them you know if you have like a if you have two minutes try to find 30 seconds to cut that you don't think is that good but the other thing is they i would say that if if you have enough, if you have enough content to cut, I would definitely show somebody everything that you have and ask them like, what should I, like someone else that's more experienced what to cut. I know in my experience, when I first started out, I thought everything I did was amazing. Put it yeah. all in. Like, I'm like, I can't, like, I got five minutes worth of stuff. I got to cut three, <laughs> three minutes. It's going to be hard. And I yeah. look back at it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like there's some, like one thing I was notorious for doing when I used to do film, like um, like cartoons and stuff, is the notorious like what's it called the W pose when they're like, like yeah. what are we doing? You know, like I would do that. I, like I'm looking at my stuff, like oh that's so bad. And <laughs> yeah, and some other things too. But um, yeah. So when you're at that stage in life, it's tough. You know, you got to yeah. put in all all that you have, mm -hmm. and and then hope. And then once you get more experience and, you know, stuff on your reel, you just, you know, you, you cut and trim. I'm at the point now where I have a reel per project just because yeah. um, one of the things, like I was saying before, is yeah, I don't know if this is a dumb thing to do, but I've had the, like when you apply to a company and you don't get the job, you're, ne you're never going to really find out why. Right. And I've been in the industry long enough where I know enough people where I, if I really wanted to, I could find out why. And so when I would find out why they would tell me, usually it's not what you think. Usually it's not someone looked at your reel and be like, this guy's terrible. Don't yeah. hire him. Usually it's like, oh, we made a mistake. Uh, we were not going to hire someone. Um, it's usually not what you think, but those things, like I said, when, when the company's like, well, the project we have coming up has robots and you don't have robots on your reel, so we're not hiring you. So yeah. this way, if you break your, like later in the industry, if you break your work up per project, I think then if someone's looking at your work, like on your website, which is key, like that's a whole other topic you could talk a lot about is like having a good website that's easy to update. Yeah. But you put, you, you just add these additional projects to it. So when somebody comes looking at your website, they can kind of, instead of looking at this, you know, one and a half, two minute reel of that's kind of like a, like a collage of what you've done. They can kind of take what you've done like a la carte and like, they look at something. Okay. That was good. Oh, there's more. Like, let's see what else, you know, I'm, I'm curious. What's this other thing that he's done. Yeah. And you know, if they're making a game with robots and you have a reel on there that looks like at first glance without clicking on it, like at first glance, it looks like, I don't know, like the opposite of robots, like these squishy globby things. They're going to be like, nah, that's probably not going to be beneficial for me to look at. Or they might, you never know. Yeah. Uh, 
So after I um, after I had left Firaxis and I was looking for another job, I interviewed at a studio. Um, I actually got asked to interview for them. So I I interviewed with them, showed them my reel, and they ended up wanting a test. I was still really early in the industry. So they wanted an animation test. I did the animation test for them. And then shortly thereafter, I ended up getting the job. And I was one day I was talking to my boss and I said, oh, hey, I, I want to just talk to you about like the interviewing process. How do you think I did while interviewing? What did you think of my reel? What did you think of the test? And because I had worked with him previously, um, he was really open. He's like, hey, I like the whole team was really on board with your work. They liked your uh, they liked your test, but the art director didn't like your test. Um, didn't think it was this or that. And I and I, I th remember thinking to myself like, oh wow, like if the art director didn't like my work, why did I get the job? And what he ended up telling me was he had a vision in his head of what he wanted the next project to look like. And when he asked you to do this zombie animation, so I did a zombie in a style that I really like when I watch zombie movies. I love the, the lump, like more of that lumbering, like slow, and just like realistic and almost like all the joints are broken. So like when they move one way, their head like snaps, they move the other way, their head snaps. So like, that's the way I animated it. Like, uh, like almost completely dead, living dead, you know, like mm -hmm. everything on them is like ripped and broken and everything else. So I animated that way. And what they were looking for was more of like the eighties cartoon style zombie and like mummy kind of thing. So they were looking for like the arms straight out and the, um, uh, <laughs> like that kind of stuff um and i didn't do that so thankfully the animators and uh some other people said well we just told them to do it a zombie we didn't say do a cartoony zombie or do like a zombie of a certain style we just said do a zombie the animation actually looks good so basically my immediate boss my lead and then some of the other uh people there talked to the art director into like well, the animation's great, but we can act, we can get them to make what we need with the skill that he has. We just didn't give him a good enough direction, so we can't fault him for it. So after he told me that, I was like, that's how close I was to not getting it. Like, I spent a week on this animation. I thought I did a really good job, but it was just something in someone's head that was there said, you know, I was looking for this style. This guy didn't make that style, and that could have been it right there. But yeah. Thankfully, I had people fighting in my corner at the studio, so it went really well for me. But it, it's ridiculous yeah. the way the start of a job can actually be, and what what it can be that makes it so you don't get the job that day. You know, like I mean, I I, I can understand though, just because being you know when you you know when you, if you become a lead or a director or something like that, mm -hmm. I can understand that a lot of times because when you get put in that position you have to uh, kind of a, appeal to your boss right and a lot of times it's like we got to get this thing done yesterday because i want yeah. the money yesterday yeah. and so a lot of times like when someone in that position is looking at their work like okay i like i know exactly what i need and if i don't see it i'm gonna have a panic attack like I, you didn't animate it my way so no like right. i'm waiting for that reel to come across my desk that's exactly what i want because i know i'll have no risk you're going to come in and replicate what you've done and yeah. it's going to help me sleep at night mm -hmm. and i've been in that position i and i can understand that but if it wasn't for me kind of like what i said like finding out like why sometimes like why people would say no like stories like that mm -hmm. you you remember that and you're like no like don't look for you know don't be that 
you know, right. if you're if you're good enough at what you do, which I still don't think I am, but I know enough to look at something and be like, okay, this guy didn't—he's not showing me exactly what we're going to do, but I can see that he'll be able to. Right. And that that comes from experience. Yeah, it's funny you uh, you just said something that came up in a couple of the previous conversations I've had as well, where you said I don't know if I'm good enough yet, um, and. What's funny and not funny to me at the same time is the fact that it feels like every animator I've met in industry so far, like working with, no one feels that they're at the level that they need to be at, which is great for continuing your education and getting better until you retire. Uh, I think animation is one of those things where you will continuously get better until you're done uh, and no longer animating afterwards. But at the same time, as you know, getting into the industry is not an easy thing. Like it's not like going down to the big box store and handing over that piece of paper and be like, yes, I can work those hours and I can lift a 50 pound box. And then they're like, cool, you haven't been to jail. So we're going to go <laughs> ahead and hire you. And the, and they might've had three, three people try to apply for that job. So in the video game industry, like I've seen some inboxes, like I'm not the one that the emails come directly to when uh, someone's applying, but I've seen the numbers of animators that go across uh, directors desks when they first start looking at for reels. And uh, just to get to the interview itself, just to actually go in and talk to somebody, I know how many people you have to beat out in order to just get to that phase. And then how many people did they actually fly out to their studio to do the interview or even spend the time to do a, a Zoom meeting or otherwise? The number of people that it takes to beat is extraordinary. And what's funny is every single one of us, even though we beat out all of those people, like we won the Olympics, right? We got the gold medal or at least <laughs> the silver. And we're like, yeah, sweet, I got the job. But man, I like I still don't think I'm good at this. Like the imposter syndrome in our industry yeah. seems really strong. It's it's really strong in myself. It's something I struggle with every step of the way. Um, but I think it's important to realize that it is significantly hard. And if you do get in, you have to realize I just beat out probably close to a thousand people with my resume. So. Mm -hmm. I th uh, just hearing you say it in a conversation that I had earlier this week, it just uh, it just kind of resonates with me a lot. Like I have to do that reminder all the time. Like they have options. They could have gotten anyone in here to do this job. Like there's people that are clawing at trying to do what I want to do. Um, I have to respect the fact that, you know what, I do have the skill to get through this. Uh, I just wanted to comment on that because I heard you say it and I'm like, he's awesome. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's all part of it, man. We all feel it. Yeah, it is. It's it's super tough. Um, so a little bit more on the, the lighter side. When you were learning animation, when you were first like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to make stuff move around in 3D. What would you say is something you wish that you had done? So everybody knows that the very first thing you should do in animation is a bouncing ball. If you have looked at animation education at all, bouncing ball is number one, right? But mm -hmm. so let's say you did the bouncing ball already. You have all this other stuff uh, that you did. What is one thing that you wish you did shortly? Like, cause shortly there afterwards you realize, like, man, I really wish I had done 
this thing. Is there anything you can think of during your education that you wish you had done uh, or had learned in your education that you did not? Well, kind of like what I said going back is like our school wasn't really very good at, mm -hmm. at anything that it, that it did. It was a really yeah. small school. Um, and so I didn't really learn animation when I went to the school, honestly. The teacher, I won't get into the whole thing, but at the end of the day, I just basically learned how to use a piece of software. That's what they taught us how to do. Right. And as far as learning like art, like 3D art, any of that stuff, animation, they didn't really teach anything like that. They didn't have anyone that did that knew how to do that stuff. But I learned just enough to, to get into the industry, which, you know, it, it was a different time. It's a right. long time ago. And so I thought, like oh i'll just you know once i get a job i'm going to learn so much from like other people that i work with and yeah. so that was my mindset the whole time i worked really hard um my animation like wasn't half bad at first doing stuff but it really wasn't until like it probably wasn't until a good like maybe like seven or eight years already in the industry when oh, wow. schools like like animation mentor were coming out and like maybe so like i i don't know if i animate was out like nomen school there were some mm -hmm. of these things popping up and i would see this stuff come across my desk when i was like looking at reels and stuff and i'm like what is this and it was at that moment where i kind of realized like there's so much about animation that i never learned i didn't know what mm -hmm. it was specifically but I looked at the, the work coming out of Animation Mentor specifically. I looked at the work coming out of the school and it was freaking phenomenal. I'm like, mm -hmm. these are students? Like yeah. this stuff is amazing. And uh, it, yeah, it wasn't until then that I'm like, you know, I, I missed, I've missed a ton of stuff. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until maybe a couple of years ago, somebody who I work with who went to Animation Mentor, I was just like, he knows what they taught. I'll just mm -hmm. talk to him. And I taught him, like, you know, teach me what they taught you. And he, you know, he did briefly, like a little bit before the whole freaking craziness happened. Yeah. It's, it was, it, he just had like a month or two to talk to me about some stuff. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was just so much stuff that I missed out on, which is really just like, um, you know, I, I can't draw to save my life. Mm -hmm. So like, there's a lot of principles from like Disney and stuff, like 2D things that uh, I never learned. Right. And I'm, I'm missing a ton. Everything I know is from observation Strange. and trial and error. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it mm. kind of goes back to the, hey, you don't need to go to school in order to get this job kind of kind of situation. But yeah, like uh, for me, going back and looking at it, like I, I went to uh, a good animation school and yeah, like I, I think about it and I, and I go, oh, well, what, what do I wish I did while I was there? Um, so we we were always given like an option like oh you can do a walk cycle or you can do a run or you can do a punch or you can do opening a door like you, you have a choice of what you want to do that week and funny enough like when i was done i was looking at other people's reels and i think about what i want to see in someone's reel and a lot of the time it's like uh external forces and external um uh weights so like picking up a box opening a door like changing of all the weight that has to happen when you do that and i looked at my room like man i didn't have any of that stuff like i had a cup in one of my in one of my scenes but otherwise like i didn't have anything where it really showed i can transfer force from one object to another object um 
and I, I didn't have it. So that's something I, I missed in my school because I chose a different assignment to do. And now I'm like, man, I, I, I wish I had that stuff. Cause like on our demo reel of a student, being able to see that they can have those changes in external force, I think is kind of important. So uh, it's something I'm striving to try and get into our curriculum uh, the best that I can. So for me, I'm like, oh, well, I wish I had that. And it's funny, like, I didn't really think, oh, well, if you didn't go to a school at all for like or animation, or if it wasn't a good school, like, what did you miss? Um, the school part, like that's the part that I miss. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting because I think about it like these little tiny pieces that I wish were there were different or otherwise. But yeah, I mean, if you didn't do it at all, I guess it would be like, I missed all of it. Like some people uh, in my first job, um, actually working with you at Foraxis, I had to, I was talking to somebody and somehow, because I was fresh out of school, so I was like, oh, the 12 principles of animation, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah. I don't know what those are. What are you talking about? And I'm like, what? Like you make this awesome stuff and you don't know what the basis behind what you're making is. And they're like, yeah, man, like I've been doing this since the eighties. Like I started with pixel art and now all of a sudden uh, things are 3D. So I'm just jumping in and doing it. I'm like, that's insane. Yeah, there were <laughs> some vets. There were some vets there. It's actually funny because that 12 principles of animation thing, like mm -hmm. I remember that Richard Williams book, like mm -hmm. every animator would always praise that book. It's all 2D stuff. Yeah. But they would always praise that book and they're like, you got to know the 12 principles. And if if I talk to any animator I've ever worked with, I'm like, what are the 12 principles? I would bet that like over 90% of them wouldn't know all of them. Yeah, dude. Yeah, everyone's got it. <laughs> it sits on the floor plug. next to me. <laughs> plug. But I remember one time, I, was, I think it was when I was working at Ubisoft, I was actually talking to an, another animator friend of mine there about kind of like what we're talking about now and i'm like i'm like the 12 principles of animation no one knows those and she rattled them off one by one she's like i do yeah i was like <laughs> eating, eating <Okay>. a journey. <laughs> it's funny um i'm actually really bad with definitions and things along those lines so when i was first learning when some, someone said something about like spacing or timing or weight uh, pose to pose or straight ahead and all those kinds of like words that seem very second nature to me now. I mm -hmm. felt that way. Every time I watched a lesson or I listened to a critique about my work and they're like, oh, we'll work on the timing here. I'm like, oh, okay. So I actually worked on the spacing and then they're like, it feels exactly the same, but a little faster <laughs> or a little slower in some spots. And I was like, they're like, you have to really work on the timing of it. And I'm like, okay so i'd have to like go back and look at what is the definition of that again oh it's a second long and they think it needs to be more like two-thirds of a second long like i didn't realize um it's funny because i actually couldn't rattle off the, the 12 principles and i teach them i couldn't probably rattle off every single one of them by by name but um there's a couple like and it's funny because a lot of people think of the principles as rules but they're mm -hmm. not like one of them's just appeal, like be appealing. Okay. okay how do I make that <laughs> into like a rule that yeah. I do at work? So it, it's, it's more like a guide, a helpful guide on what to do. But um, yeah, I just, I just ran into a situation with work where somebody wanted to, uh, I forget how they worded it exactly. Like fix the gate. Or, oh yeah. Or, or why, widen the gate, something like that. And I'm like, what do they, like, what do they mean gate? Yeah. Like, well, I, don't, I have no idea what that means. So I thought it meant something. I did it. And he's like, and the guy was like, no, 
it's wrong. So I asked yeah. another guy, I'm like, this is what he said. What is this? I'm so embarrassed. Like, what yeah. does this mean? He's like, this is what it means. And yeah. that's how you learn through pain sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all of that kind of stuff. Like, and you hear other words popping in too, like things that aren't necessarily animation were key words. Uh, and I had this conversation with my CEO because me and another animator were talking. She's like, yeah, I felt like the, the animation needed a little bit more texture, needed a, like a little bit more uh, to it. And like I, but with other things that she was saying, I'm like right there. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. And what she kind of meant was like the timing felt very, but up, but up, but up, mm. but up, like very. Like a rhythm. Right. And you could feel it coming. And it's like, okay, now this happens. Now this happens. And texture kind of mixes that up. So it's like, bum, 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 bum. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's different. Like music, you don't want to hear something that's just like. Tch, tch, tch. Right. right. So, uh, and I got it and I was just talking to her and he was in that conversation. He's like, you guys said texture and he's a modeler. So he knows texturing and yeah, and, uh, materials. And stuff. So like his mind went in a different direction, like texture needs more. Te what do you mean? Like, <laughs> so it's interesting. Like that's how, my department. Yeah. How words start to like, just the meaning behind words. And you're like, I don't, I don't want to ask though. Like, what did he mean by that? You know? Yeah. Well, especially if it's your director and stuff like critiquing it. That's why, honestly, like swallow your pride, go to your, go to your peer yeah, and just ask them and don't be embarrassed. You know, you might be afraid they're going to be like, Hey boss, this guy asked me what gate meant. <laughs> Can you believe it? Like they're not, they're not going to do that. They don't care. No one's out yeah. to get you. <laughs> yeah. I think the point is, is just knowing how to do the thing that they're asking for. Not necessarily the, the definition of what they're asking for. I, I'm an over-asker. Okay. If, if someone's like, oh, hey, uh, can you speed up the, the animation? And if it's, say, a two-second long animation of someone running, jumping, and attacking, let's say, and they're like, hey, just, uh, I think it needs to be sped up a bit. Like, I'm like, what section needs to be sped up? And like this, what about that section needs to be sped up? Is it the, do we need to defy gravity, make it come down faster? Do I need to make the swing faster? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And I'm like, I want to know until they're like down to like almost telling me what to do, you know, like, cause I want to yeah. know every single step of like what's going on because um, sometimes getting clarity is a lot better. Like you said, like the next day you worked on it and you show it to them. They're like, you didn't work on the thing I told you to. And you're like, Oh crap. So for me, yeah. I like to make sure I know exactly what I'm being asked for. And a lot of people see that as a sign of well, people that, don't really understand it and kind of going along with what you were saying is people feel as though asking a lot of questions and, and asking for guidance is a sign of, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's a sign of, I want to make sure that I know what you're asking, not necessarily that I don't know how to do it. I just want to make sure that I'm understanding what you're asking me for. Um, yeah, for sure. But Especially then, when you're early on. Yeah. But then even then there's times where like I'll get a rig I have to animate a snake, let's say. And I'm like, man, I've never animated a snake before. Um, what are some good ideas on what to do? Like, you can try looking on the internet. You're not going to find a great uh, snake attacking animations. All you're going to find is like this thing going, you know? You're not going <laughs> to find like this whipping tail, huge attack mark. Like, so like, I remember going to one of my my colleagues and I was a senior at the time. so. I've been animating for a long time and I'm like, I got this character and I'm like, 
oh no, like I got to animate this thing. Like, I don't know <laughs> what to do. And I know that they had worked on a snake before. So I went to them I'm like, hey man, I'm on day one. I don't even know what to do to look for reference. Can you give me like some ideas on what I can do to, to maybe like come up with ideas or what I can do to find reference for this thing? And they're like happy to help. They're not like, oh my oh, God, yeah. this guy, this guy's been animating for 15 years. How does he not know how to do this? Like yeah. people, people generally want to help you. Like, oh, here's a place where I have experience that I can help this dude. It's not, yeah. that guy's dumb and I have to tell him how to do this. Like, Well, it's I, almost, it's almost flattering. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly. Um, so uh, we've been at this for about an hour. Uh, uh, so we can stop now, or I can ask you a couple of more more of the fun questions that I have. Yeah, I can keep going. Okay. Uh, so my first one would be, uh, well, actually, you answered one of these. You're like, how is your 2D skills? And you said you're a terrible drawler. I'm also a terrible yeah. drawler. Uh, yeah. That's one of the things where people are like, yeah, but you're an animator. You're an artist. You should know how to draw. Like, yeah, but you don't have to know. You have to know. You have to know the things as to why drawing is good for animators. But you don't actually have to know how to to draw them. You know, like anatomy. You have to know how the shoulder yeah. works because you don't want to have it move forward. You know, like you have to know the anatomy of right. the, the simple stuff. But um, I don't have to know how to draw it. So. Um, that was actually going to be one of my questions, but I just know how to draw. So great. Um, so my next question would be, what is um, the most fun character animated? Maybe not the maybe not the best looking animation that you've done or anything like that. Right. But what was the most fun? Like you're like this character, I'm in it. Like this is cool. Oh man, that's a freaking loaded question because I've I've done so many. Um. Yeah. um I probably have to say it definitely wasn't anything at Firaxis, for sure. <laughs> um, I'd have to say when I was probably when I was working at my first job, actually, like back, back when I was at film, we did like Crash Bandicoot mm -hmm. games. And uh, so I got to animate like all those Crash Bandicoot games. And like it was all this like, I mean, it was my first job, but it was all this like, like squishy, like you know, the cartoony kind of animation. And I didn't really know anything else at the time. And it wasn't until I wasn't doing that kind of stuff where, like, I kind of missed it, and I realized like how how fun it was. Um, like when I started getting into like mocap and stuff like that, I'm just like, man, like this isn't as fun as like doing that stuff. Yeah. But, um. I'd probably have to say that, like when I worked on Crash Bandicoot, that's probably the most fun. It was also like my first job, so I was just like on cloud nine like every day. I was like, I can't believe I get to do this. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. My favorite characters and favorite animations that I've done were from earlier in my in my career, but most of mine have been like realistic stuff. Like for me, my one of my funnest one was was a dragon. Cause I just enjoy, not even that I like dragons that much. Like I'm not a fanboy dragon guy, but I absolutely loved the process of it. Like this huge creature with these giant wings and these giant claws and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I was really in it at the moment and like loved doing that particular animation for whatever reason. I just, what was think it? Back, 
What was it for? Can you say? What was it? Like, what was it? It was on the the Elder Scrolls Online when I was working over at Zenimax. It was one of the the creatures there. So it was was realistic. Um, So it wasn't a style thing. It wasn't a character thing, I think. And it could just been what my mood was that month, you know, while I was animating. But when someone's like, what's the most fun animation you've done? And I remember thinking of that dragon. And I remember doing video reference for it which is hilarious considering I'm a dude and that's a dragon. But I like, I, uh, I wore like this super baggy shirt and I, uh, I like stretched it out. So it was like kind of flappy down below, mm-hmm. down below my arm. And I like jumped off this like parking, like structure thing. And like, like with my arms out in the air, like, <laughs> like landing, but it was more about like how I was landing and the acting afterwards. Like, Obviously, I couldn't use a lot of what the reference was, but I think it just had the most fun with at that time. Like, it might yeah. not have been the content. It may not have been the character. It may not have been any of that. I think maybe I, I could have even been in just a different mindset. But that was probably was it, my favorite animation that I've done. Was it in-game or like a pre-rendered sequence? In-game. Um, it was, okay. So I was on the boss monster team, so I had done most of the bosses oh. in the Elder Scrolls. Oh, cool. um, and this was uh, a, just a boss in the game. Yeah, cool. And I was working with this really awesome visual effects artist at the time. Uh, he works over at Blizzard right now. And uh, he was... I, know, I think I know who that is, actually. He was into making stuff explode. And <laughs> everybody else was like, oh, hey, I just need you to throw this fireball. And I need you to make this uh, healing potion twinklies and and all this kind of stuff that visual effects artists have to do and then uh we got this fight scene and he was on the boss monster team i was on the boss monster team and we're like how can we make this cool we have this was actually a half like a half dragon kind of deal like it wasn't one of the giant ones that you would see in like lord of the rings but it was a but it was a dragon-esque creature and it was indoors i'm like we got this big creature with wings and it's going to be indoors and so we, me and him started bouncing ideas off each other. Like, what can we do? Maybe we can have it like crawl across the ceiling. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if the wings will work right. And uh, he was just like, I want to make stuff explode. What if uh, <laughs> we just hear a screech? We have sound guys make this like calling screeching sound. And then all of a sudden it crashes through the wall. And like, and it had like this blue fire that it would shoot with its mouth. Like, what if we yeah. like shoot this blue fire? Like, and as the wall explodes, this blue fire comes through and then you, come swooping in and I was like, yes, like awesome. I want to do that. So like <laughs> that whole time of working on that was really, really cool. Cause I had awesome visual effects helping me out with like some cool intro for the character, the blue fire that was being thrown and all kinds of stuff. I just remember like for whatever reason, that particular animation set, which I was on for maybe a month. Every time someone's like, what was your favorite time? Like that. That was my favorite. <laughs> I don't know why, but that is the time that I remember. Uh, so, uh, along with that, is there a particular style of animation or a particular uh, act in an animation or acting or anything along those lines that you haven't done that you're like, I hope at one point I can do that personally, or I hope that I can do that. Um, for my job like is there anything that you haven't done yet that you you really want to get your hands on i'm probably i'd probably get my head ripped off for saying this but when it comes to like doing like in-game animation 
I've, I've pretty much done, done it all. I think mm -hmm. like every type that you can do. Yeah. The only thing I haven't done. And I, I kind of, I've kind of started this maybe like a half a year ago, like on the side is I've never done like pixel art and animation. And so yeah. I just started doing that, like on the side, like just for fun, I got this program that's like really good with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's only because like, you know, like we're kind of talking, like when we first started talking, like when you, like the games we grew up on, that's what mm -hmm. they look like. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like I missed out on all that stuff. And the, the stuff that a lot of indie studios are doing now that has pixel art in it is freaking amazing. Like it's bonkers how good it is. And so there's a boatload of reference to, to look at for that stuff. And so I started doing it and I mean, the first stuff that I did was just like awful, but I kept, yeah. I kept going and I kept doing more and it got better, but it's, it's an absolute blast. And the other thing that's really interesting about it is since it's 2d, you have to do like every single frame. And I yeah. feel like it's benefiting my 3d stuff. Cause you really yeah. got to pay attention to like every single part of the pose of each frame when you're mm -hmm. doing stuff in 3d and like it, it interpolates a lot of times you kind of forget to look at every single frame sometimes right. like these, these two keys are good. So in between it's going to be good. I don't need right. to look at those. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Um, I think about that all the time. So when I'm doing my breakdowns, a lot of the times, like if it's a two second animation, I might have like six poses in there. Like I, that's just my, my, the way I go is I plan it out first. So I just like, I like this pose. I like this pose and I like this pose. I need to make that fit into this animation somehow. Uh, and then I start doing my breakdown as far as putting in more key poses. And I keep doing that until I get to splining. I just go through and add another layer. So in, uh, for me, uh, the interpolation actually hurts me a lot because I'll start off with like a pose like this and then the next one's like the opposite. And the way that my, the rig decided to go from like this to this <laughs> might be to have like this arm go through the body and like snap back out or it, it right. gimbal locks and it does something crazy or um, it uh, needs a, you have a Euler filter on it or whatever. But I tend to get in trouble because of my computer all the time. And I'm like, Okay, so I've got all these down. Let me take it out of stepped keys. I take it out of stepped keys and like wild stuff is happening. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, <laughs> why, why what a, computer? <laughs> what about you though? Is there anything that you haven't done that you want to do? Yes, actually. So you had mentioned Crash Bandicoot and that like more cartoony, squishy stuff. Yeah. Uh, I tend to get picked for roles and it's probably because my demo reel looks exactly like this is I have all more realistic stuff. So even though it's a dragon, I animate it realistically. Firaxis uh, um, was very realistic animation. Yeah. We, were, we both worked on the, the leader heads for the most part. So that was that was straight up acting. That was very minute yeah. little tiny things, uh, corner of your eye twitch kind of stuff. Yeah. So we did really realistic stuff there, which then got me over at Zenimax, which then I was doing realistic stuff that was fantasy, but fantasy realistic. I have never done like over the top cartoony squishy stuff. So I was just talking to a young lady yesterday about this and uh, she's uh, had worked at Pixar and she's now at Jellyfish. And um, she said that she doesn't like that over the top stuff. And for me, I like it and I love watching it, 
because I haven't done it. And I'm like, mm. who would have thought that like when I'm like, yeah, it's an over exaggeration of some stuff. Like when someone stops, they're like, until they come to a stop. But like, I've never done that kind of stuff. Like the really big ones for me are, um, uh, what's the name of that movie with Gru? Despicable Me is a big one. Mm. Hotel Transylvania, that's another one. And some people will look at it and be like, oh man, like that's way over animated or whoa, that's way like just a weird style. And for me, I'm like super excited. I'm like, oh man, like <laughs> he just like took his leg, made it 20 feet long over a frame and then like zipped over to the spot and like turned into a spring when he stopped instead of like this thing that you have to do in real life, right? Right. Uh, when you're doing realistic stuff. So for me, I'd love to get into that. Uh, mm -hmm. One, because it would be super challenging. It's not just creating more keys. Uh, and two is because it's a style that I think is fun. And um, I, it's something that I, I just, I would love to learn it. Like it just, there's so much in that more cartoony realm that I could use to learn. Uh, and most of it's just timing and over the top poses and that kind of stuff. But at some point when I have time to animate on my own time again, mm -hmm. I am like tackling something like that, something hard. Someday. <laughs> someday. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you had to pick out a particular, particular scene in your favorite animated film uh, just for uh let, let's let's base it off of like gorgeousness of the animation itself and it could be 2d or it could be 3d is there a scene that sticks out in your head where you're like this is my favorite scene because whatever the i'll give you the, always yeah go ahead i was gonna say i'll give you an example uh for me and it's because of the school i went to and they actually used it as an example which like highlighted it for me was a scene out of jungle book and it's Mowgli climbing up a tree and the reason why I love it so much is because of the choices and the acting that they did mm -hmm. in the scene, just like the way he climbed the tree was ridiculous. It was over the top and it was gorgeous. Uh, so that's kind of what I mean. Like they just picked. Okay. Over the, so uh, just it, would, it would, it would probably be whenever I get asked something like this, I always think back to the Incredibles because I know stuff may or may not have improved since then. I, I kind of fell off when it comes to like seeing these like 3D features now because mm -hmm. they seem to freaking crank them out like water. But <laughs> The Incredibles was really big for me because that was when, that was at a moment in my animation career where like I really wanted to be like super awesome at it because I was, I was getting good, I was getting better at it. And I mm -hmm. used it as reference. Um, for what and it was it was one of the most it was the one of the stupidest things too because i remember I, I think i was talking to my boss and every time we were between projects he would come to me and say like i want you to spend maybe like a couple of months um thinking about something we can do on our projects to make them better just pick one thing and i, I remember talking to him i'm like man like I would love it if we could do animation that's as good as like that Pixar movie we just saw. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how, how can we possibly do something like that? And he's like, why don't you just watch it? Like, look at it and see how they like what they do. Yeah. And so it didn't dawn on me to use it as a reference. Mm -hmm. And so when I did, and I started doing all this online research for it and stuff. And, uh, and they had like, they had these, um, 
like there was one guy that ma- wrote this whole article that did some the scene with um Elastigirl, mm-hmm. like how they actually like rigged her and like set her up and everything like that. So yeah. there there wasn't any one thing in particular, but I remember finding things that allowed me to look at the movie frame by frame. I could scrub through it frame by frame and really learn and see there was so much stuff I had no idea that yeah. they they did to make it look better. And it was it wasn't anything huge or big. It was just a, it was a million little things to right. make them better. For example, what the one the way I used to animate before um, the Incredibles was I was watching movies and I noticed, especially Pixar movies, that like a lot of times like characters in cartoony stuff, they'd like move and stop and like mm-hmm. hold the pose for a bit, move and stop. That's what I would do. If you looked at my keys, it would just go up, flat, go down. Yeah. But when you watch the frame by frame, it would stop and like parts would like kind of continue moving like a little bit or like they come back. Mm-hmm. Just little things like that. It was little nothing in particular. Holes. Yeah, but I think the one scene I think I remember looking at the most, it's hard to describe now, but it was a scene where uh, I can't remember his, not Mr. Inc- whatever his name, non-superhero name was now, Bill Parr yeah. or something like that. There was a uh, scene. Yeah, I forget too. But he was, I think it was, he was in his kitchen talking to Elastigirl. Mm-hmm. They were getting into an argument or something. It was just this heated conversation that they were having. And I looked at that scene the most mm-hmm. uh, just because it was so it's just talking heads and maybe like they're waist up sometimes yeah. of just it's almost like doing an idle animation like there's it's animating nothing going on like they're just talking heads like but you still need to like animate this stuff mm-hmm. and I looked at the hell out of that scene yeah um, I actually did one of those types of scenes early on um, while I was still in school where it was just people standing in front of each other talking and exactly that. I'm like, so do I just like put their hands down to their side and just have the mouth moving? <laughs> like, what do I do? And, like uh, it's funny. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen Talladega nights where he's on oh, his yeah. first interview and he just keeps doing this with his hands. <laughs> like that's what I felt like while animating it. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I can't just have him standing there. So what do I do? Like, do I just, <laughs> and it's funny because doing those types of animations where it obviously has to be animated, but it's not like a huge game animation of like smashing or like yelling and throwing your hands all over the place. Like you still have to come up with some life. Like you and I just yeah. sitting here and talking. Sure. We could stand still enough that you're like, Oh, did the video freeze? But at the same time, <laughs> just while talking your head moves a little bit your shoulders move a little bit you're yeah. you're switching where you're sitting in your seat because your back started to bother you or one of your butt cheeks went numb or something so you kind of like squirm a little bit and uh basically what it sounds like you're talking about is a lot of those little nuances and how to find them and how to actually do them because as you're saying, you watch a Pixar film, there's so much time where characters are still and they're just like talking mm-hmm. or uh, they're transitioning from one scene to another and that kind of thing. And they're just hanging out like, but it looks alive. What are they doing to make them look alive? Maybe they, all they do is just they switch their weight from one leg to the other leg and that's it, you know, yeah. talking and just a boom. And that's all you need to do is just that little boom in the middle of a talk. And like, that's alive. I believe it. It's cool. <laughs> like, you don't have to be like, okay, I'm going to switch 
switch which way I'm standing. <laughs> All right, I'm over here now. You know, like it's those little subtle things. They're really difficult and it's what I watch the most. Uh, I actually just had this conversation yesterday too. Um, it's what I watch the most of when I'm watching films is I watch the mm -hmm. tiny moments. I don't watch those big, huge action scenes where everything's exploding and people are doing crazy flips and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, that stuff's cool. And yeah, that stuff takes a lot of talent to be able to get Spider-Man to jump through these hoops and do all this kind of crazy stuff in like four frames. But um, for me, it's those subtle little things. Like someone's talking to somebody else and they're listening. And when they say something that's interesting, how did they react? Did they go, oh, no, like, no, right. that's not how people react when someone's talking to them, they hear something interesting. It's the like, like slight eyebrow raise and like a little bit of a head tilt while they're listening. Like they're not even saying anything yet, but a little bit of like, hmm, like those tiny things, what did they do? How to, when did it click in their head that they heard something? So maybe they open their eyes a little bit and then they like get more thought into it. So then the brow rises a little bit and then it's, what did that guy just say? Processing what he said, like, I gotta, I gotta look at him. So it's like, huh? 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 Like, it's almost like a three-step thing, but it happens so fast. So, yeah, and it's not a lot. Yeah, and I love to watch those scenes because I'm like, how can I do that same thing where that I can see the thought process in that person's head while they're, like, while the animation's going, and I'm just like, that's the stuff I love because it's the tiny, yeah. it's how a scene can change off of one little thing like his reaction like oh he just thought about something from his past versus just sitting there and listening not doing anything right or like nodding through it or whatever yeah it, it, to me i love those little things like seeing the character change there for a moment and reading into who the character is as i'm watching something because because of those little nuances i love that stuff and i find it interesting because uh, obviously the incredibles is this huge action movie with kids racing at the speed of sound almost and other kids creating bubbles of uh, energy and super strength and all this crazy stuff that happens. And you're like, this time when they're in the kitchen, when they were <laughs> in their super outfits and they're just talking and arguing in the kitchen. And it's funny because that's what I look for. I'm like, yeah, that cool little scene where they did this thing. Not the like, yeah, when he lifts up the car and the kid's like, wow, you know, like yeah. not that part. I actually like the part of this other thing. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh we've been at it for a good hour and a half is there anything else uh that you'd like to talk about something you think that might be important or just you're interested in or you want to talk about maybe a project that you're working on now if you're not under nda it'd be like yeah check out my <laughs> well i can't talk about what i'm working on now um mm -hmm. but uh, the first thing that comes to mind, just talking about like, if you're ever like talking to your students or any students are listening to this and it's your first time you're trying to break into the industry. Um, bring a gun. The, yeah, bring a gun. Cause nothing's <laughs> going to work more than threats. Uh, the, the one thing I'll say is in my entire career, I've been doing this now for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. I've never, anytime I've ever asked anyone how, how they get their first job in the industry every single one of them it's a it's a completely unique and different story so don't yeah. think that there's some sort of like i mean there is it exists but it's usually never no one ever really gets their job the standard way it's always a story behind yeah. it so you know i'm not saying it, it, it couldn't happen it, i'm sure i'm sure it has i'm sure it could but um so you know just don't be 
like discouraged if you're trying to get, you know, break into the industry and you're not getting a job because you're applying to these companies through their website, the way that they're asking you to the standard way. Um, you know, sometimes you have to, uh, you know, if you really, if you really want something, you kind of have to do something that's not standard if you want to get it. And, and at the end of the day, like, don't be afraid to do it. The, the other thing I learned is the worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no. Right. No one's gonna black. No one's gonna blacklist you. They're not gonna whisper to their friends like, "Oh, this guy. Can you believe what he tried to do?" Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure you could do something extreme enough where that would happen, <laughs> but I don't think you would. Yeah. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. Cool. Yeah, man. Thank you. Cause yeah, I, I think uh, I talked a little bit about like uh, real rejections and and things along those lines, and it seems like I I get the same thing like. And everybody has their idea what should be on a reel, what order it should be in, how long it should be. And everybody's view on that stuff is slightly different. Um, but you're right, there's no secret sauce. Like like you were saying about the robot thing. Like, nope, no robots on his demo reel. We can't have him. Like, okay, well, yeah. now you've really, we can, maybe we need to make a post of like, put robots on your demo reel, you know? But um, yeah, I mean, it can be odd like the way you get in. Mine is a little odd. I was hired specifically because uh, my demo reel had a lot of acting in it. And that's because I didn't, in my, the school I went to, they didn't do a lot of action stuff while I was there. They didn't have sword swings and flips and all that kind of stuff. It was all subtle acting things. Um, and I applied for a game studio who would generally, when you're gonna send a reel to a studio, like for Access Games, where you've got, uh, at the time, um, these little characters that have to do these way over the top things because they're so tiny. Like I didn't have any of that on my reel, but I was like, I'm going to apply there anyway. Cause I think their game's cool and I want to work there. Um, and I ended up getting the job because everyone else that applied had maybe an acting shot in there, but most of it was mm -hmm. all this big action stuff. And I got my job because my demo reel was all acting and they hired me specifically to do the leader heads for Civ five. Like, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten the job if I had all this action stuff in there. And they told me, like, this is why you got here. And how do you yeah. feel about helping some of the animators here learn how to do that kind of thing? And I was like, yes, like, cool. Yeah. Um, so it was luck of the draw. Like, yeah, just the way that it worked for me is I was really lucky at that particular time with something specific with about my reel. Um, yeah. I've heard stories of people meeting at a bar, like, Hey, what are you doing in town today? Um, like, oh, uh, I'm actually here to interview. Oh, cool. What do you do? I make video games. And the person's like, okay, where are you interviewing? Oh, I'm interviewing over at, uh, I'm going to make up the studio, but because I don't remember the full story, uh, um, over at Ubisoft. Really? I work at Ubisoft. Like what department? Mm. Oh, I'm going to be working in animation. And then they sat there and talked for hours just over some beers. And the next day he goes and interviews with that person. So now it's yeah. like he had this friendship almost with him already. So then when he's looking yeah. at all the reels and like, oh, who do I want to hire? Ah, you know, this guy wasn't as good, but I really like talking to him over some beers. Like I'm going to hire that guy. Like that is so lucky to <laughs> run into somebody in a, uh, this huge city in a bar. And it just happens to be yeah. an interviewer for the next day. You know, and it, it's funny how much luck comes into play. That's how I got hired at Firaxis. Almost exactly what you described. Me no and a bunch of yeah, me and a bunch of guys. We were working at another company in town, and uh, 
you know, things weren't going well at this company. And I think there was maybe like five or six of us. We went out, I forget where, to some restaurant. We're sitting at a booth. Mm-hmm. And we're all sitting there complaining and talking about what's going on at work. Like, this is bad. What, you know, what can we do? And yeah. the guy on the next booth behind us overhears us. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I couldn't help but overhear you. Here's mm-hmm. my, my name is such and so. I work at this company in town at Firaxis. Yeah. We're hiring. Here's my business card. And that's yeah. pretty much, we all got, <laughs> we no all transitioned kidding. over there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Was that, um, was that big, huge? The first company was, yeah. Okay. The one that was going down. Yeah. Yeah. We I saw, we just, saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I just, by hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, if I went out to lunch with a whole bunch of people to talk crap about my studio, it probably <laughs> wouldn't have been big huge if it was near for access. As bad as that is to say, those things. But um, thank you, man. I really appreciate you taking your time today to come and chat with me and help me out with being able to help our students. It's um, a huge privilege to see you again. Like we've yeah. chatted, we've chatted for like the last ten years, but only online. I haven't seen your yeah. face in forever. So it's just seeing <laughs> your face, and your epic beard. <laughs> epic. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Anytime, right. dude. Great. Thank you so much, and. Uh, have fun animating. All right, man. Later. I'll see you. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com. To learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.